You know, sometimes the, the best way to really see something is to look at it from both ends of the spectrum. And that's what John's been doing in the letter that we are studying. He's already drawn our attention to light and darkness, life and death, truth and error, God and the devil. And this morning we come to love and hate, the two most powerful forces on earth. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18, we read, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love and hate, two opposing emotions, and John presents them as we experience them, not in separate compartments, isolated from each other, but intertwined, mingled together. And while that is the most accurate way to view them, we are going to separate them for the purpose of study. We're going to trace the path of love today and the course of hate in two weeks. I think we're in for some surprises about both, and we begin with love. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You know, one of the first things we heard after becoming a Christian is that we should love one another. And we not only heard it, we were motivated and empowered to do so. We learned the sacrificial love Christ demonstrated for us on the cross and were then indwelt by his spirit. The love he expressed actually came and indwelt us. And then the love that came from him began flowing through and out of us. It was a natural or actually supernatural result of coming to know Christ. In fact, it is impossible to love as Christ would have us love apart from him. And that means there's a significant difference between Christian love and ordinary human love. John said we should love one another not as Cain who slew his brother. Now that 
That didn't make sense to me until I realized that John was saying that Cain did have love for his brother, but not the kind we are to have for one another. And as seen in their relationship, there's a big difference between ordinary love and God's love. Ordinary love is fragile and can be quickly twisted into something else. All love originates from God because God is love. And love pours from God into human hearts like sunshine and rain upon the just and unjust alike. No human being could love at all if he were not in some relationship, some contact with the God who is love. All love comes from God. The spontaneous love between parent and child, the love that creates friendships, the love that blossoms between sweethearts, they're all gifts from God. In fact, everything that makes life beautiful, happy, and wholesome comes from God. But something happens to the love of God, this pure, unspotted love that comes from God. As it comes into the twisted and distorted heart of fallen men, it becomes twisted and distorted. Sinful men invariably twist love into something that is self-centered. And the love we show apart from Christ is reduced to nothing more than love of self. We love our children, our parents, our relatives, our friends, our pets. We love those who are related to us, who are extensions of ourselves. And those who benefit us, who please us, who help us. We even do acts of charity and goodwill because they give us pleasure and a sense of goodness. If we're honest about it, I think we can see that love apart from Christ is almost always directed toward those who do something to or for us. So in effect, what we really love is a projection of ourselves. Human love is self-centered. And I think Jesus recognized this in the Sermon on the Mount. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. When we come to Christ, however, our twisted, sinful character is straightened out. And we are able to love as God loves. When we are born again, we pass from death to life and begin to love those we never loved before and to love those we have loved before in a different way. In other words, the character of our love changes. Verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Now, the apostle who wrote this letter was known as the apostle of love. 
But that was certainly not his nature when we first met him in the Gospels. He and his brother were known as sons of thunder. They wanted to call down fire from heaven upon the city that refused to show hospitality to Jesus. And they were always quarreling with the other apostles and trying to outmaneuver them. John didn't become a loving man until Jesus remade him, until Jesus came into his heart. Only then did he become the apostle of love. And the love that began to flow from him was Christian love, the sign of the new life he had found in Christ. It's a love that not only loves those who love us, but that loves those who don't. It's a love that does not depend upon a reciprocal relationship. It's a love that loves the unlovely, the ungrateful, the selfish, the difficult. When we view people apart from Christ in his love, we usually see them as friends or foes, rivals or helpers, those who help us achieve or obstacles that stand in our way. Now, people are generally viewed in relationship to what we want. When Christ comes into our life, we view people differently. When Christian love is born, a change takes place. We are given a spiritual perspective into people's needs. We see them in need of Christ, in need of his love, facing fears and anxieties that are unanswerable apart from him. As a result, we are better able to understand why they are as they are. That is the character of Christian love. And it's the evidence that new life has come, the life born of God. If we don't love like that, we've not been touched by his love. If we don't love those we'd ordinarily not love, we remain, John says, in death. We may think we're alive in Christ, but in reality, we are still dead. Dead in our sin and dead to lasting relationships with Christ and each other. And did you notice to whom in particular John says, we must show love, our brethren, fellow Christians. You know, the hardest people to love are those to whom we are closest. To dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. It is difficult to love those who are close to us. They are the ones who can really get to us. You know, the casual encounter, the, the rude clerks and impatient drivers, they can be overlooked. They're remote from our lives. The ones who are closest to us reveal the real character of our love. Over the years, I've told people looking for a mate to take careful note how the one they have their eye on treats his or her parents 
and siblings. It's a pretty good indicator of how they would treat them after the wedding. It is hard to love those we really know. In church, it's easy to love everyone if we simply share a pew with them, and they don't steal our pew, and, uh, and don't get too close to them. But when we actually enter into fellowship and get involved in each other's lives, we discover that Christians aren't perfect. They hurt each other and can at times even be nasty, immature, thoughtless, and rude. It's only if we've experienced the accepting, unconditional love of Christ that we can really love the brethren. For as Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what is the essence of love? Verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The essence, the bottom line of God's love is laying down of life, a giving up of self and self-interest. That is what marks God's kind of love. Jesus laid down his life for us. Because of that, we are expected to lay down our life for the brethren. Now, we may not actually have the opportunity to die for others as Jesus did, but if we can't die for them, we can live for them. So we lay down our lives by giving up self, giving up what we want for the sake of others. And that is the essence of love. It's the giving up of self in order that we might meet someone else's need. That's the quality that marks Christian love. And this love must manifest itself not in word, but indeed, verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? If we can see others in need, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, and pass them by unconcerned, we do not have the love of God within us. If we can do that and our words and fine talk about love become, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, nothing but a clanging cymbal, a loud noise, a mere banging on metal. It's easy to talk about love, but it's something else to do it. C.S. Lewis, in his Screwtape Letters, has a senior devil giving the following advice to a junior devil about how to handle a new convert to Christ. 
it remains to consider how we can retrieve this disaster. The great thing is to prevent his doing anything. As long as he does not convert it into action, it does not matter how much he thinks about this new repentance. Let the little brute wallow in it. Let him, if he has any bent that way, write a book about it. That is often an excellent way to sterilize the seeds which the enemy plants in a human soul. Let him do anything but act. No amount of piety in his imagination or affections will harm us if we can keep it out of his will. As long as the human has said, as one of the humans has said, Active habits are strengthened by repetitions, but passive ones are weakened. The more often he feels without acting, the less he will be able ever to act. And in the long run, the less he'll be able to feel. Love must be put into action to be love at all. James, the brother of Jesus, made clear the need to prove ourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And he asked the question, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Jesus makes it clear that if we behold a brother in need and close our heart against him, or John makes this clear, that the love of God does not abide in him. If we see a brother in need and do nothing about it, the love of Christ is not within us. If the love of God abides in us, it will be shown to others and our acts of love will not be based on an individual's lovableness, but upon the love of Christ. You know, God didn't wait until we were lovable before he sent Jesus. While we were yet, what, sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to act. And we can't wait for someone to show us love before we show love to them. We've got to love, and we've got to love first, as Christ did. If you are waiting for someone to show love to you, before you reach out to them, you're not loving as Christ loved. You're not showing, manifesting Christian love. Christian love is not tit for tat. We cannot do unto others as they do unto us or wait for them to love us before we love them. You know, just because someone isn't showing love to us doesn't get us off the hook. We must love others as Christ has loved and continues to love us. And we can do that if we will open our heart 
keep it open, and let Jesus come in. It is the Christmas season. We celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. But Jesus may still be waiting to enter your heart. Let's invite him in. Let's stand.